Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. And a warning that there may be audio descriptions of Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islander peoples that have died. And in fact, last week we did a commemoration broadcast for TJ Hickey and TJ Hickey is a 17-year-old First Nations teenager who died in 2004 after being impaled on a fence during a chase by racist police. The Hickey family has been seeking justice for TJ ever since and this is despite New South Wales police doing everything they can to weaken and subdue them. The police want the family to rewrite history and accept that T-Day's death was an accident. The family refuses and has been harassed and persecuted, with raids on their homes becoming almost routine. I wanted to actually give that little introduction because this is the second part of the series in regards to the commemoration of T-J Hickey because there was a rally last Tuesday on the 14th on the day of his death and we were not able to report on that. So instead, last Monday, as a lead-up to the rally, we interviewed Cheryl from Istja in Melbourne, and she spoke quite a lot about TJ and sent a a message of of support. And then later on in the show, we'll be speaking with um, Roel Bussey, and actually Bassey, sorry, and continuing that discussion. But I can't say last but not least because... (laughs) Because Paddy Gibson, who is an anti-racist activist, is coming on first. Um, And I know I've kind of done it backwards, but I really did need to really make listeners aware that this is going to be the second part of the series in regards to the commemoration of TJ. But I wanted to to formally introduce Paddy Gibson, who um, the Doing Time show has a lot of respect for. He's an anti-racist activist. And we've done some work on the court case... Uh, not the court case, sorry. Well, yeah, the court case and the sentencing. Neo-Nazi sentences to jail for attack on anti-racist house. Desmond Liddington, a neo-Nazi extremist who pleaded guilty to his part in the attack on the home of Black Lives Matter activist Paddy Gibson in 2021, has been sentenced to two and a half years in jail with a non-parole period of 18 months. And Liddington was sentenced in the Sutherland Local local Court um, on the 6th of February for his role in the 2021 House attack. I'm going to be talking to Paddy pretty soon about this and he's also going to be talking about um, fascism in general and looking at far-reaching issues in regards to the homeless um, First Nations people that have been attacked and and harassed in New South Wales. It has been a long introduction but I did need to let listeners know um, about Paddy as well. Hello, Paddy. Welcome to the program. Hello. Thanks for having me on. It's lovely to have you. And yeah, we've we've had. Sorry for the long intro, but we I kind of really had to um, talk about TJ again today. I know it's really important. Keep keep up the good work, comrade. Yeah, oh, thanks. Thanks so much. Now, Paddy, can you just explain to us what's been going on? What's what's happening with? 
with your story now and, and just, you know, just give listeners some background. Sure. Um, well, it was just over a year ago now. Um, it would have been December of 2021 um, that my house in suburban Sydney um, was attacked by three, uh, three neo-Nazis, three fascists. And, um, I mean, I had suffered some harassment from the far right previously, um, but it had all been talk, you know. So, I mean, the reason they came after me and my partner um, here at our house is because we do a lot of um, solidarity organising with Aboriginal people. Um, they're also very anti-communist, it needs to be said. I've, you know, gone and looked at a lot of the Facebook profiles and stuff of people that are involved in this group, and they are quite obsessed with, like, reds and... Actually, one of the guys who attacked the house had his Facebook profile holding a double-barrel shotgun and it said, better dead than red, um, as the slogan. So, you know, they're, they're very racist. They're also very sort of anti-socialist, anti-communist. And I'm a, you know, I am a socialist. I'm part of the group Solidarity. I'm on the editorial committee. So they don't like me both for the yeah, anti-racist organising I do and the fact that I'm, you know, a socialist. Um so I sort of came to their attention um, because I was in the media quite a bit during the big Black Lives Matter rallies we had here in Sydney. For many years, I've been involved in organising protests against deaths in custody here in Sydney, and in particular, had developed quite a close relationship with the family of David Dungay Jr., um, who was killed in Long Bay Prison, uh, quite a high-profile death in custody here in Sydney in 2017. Um, and I'd worked with David's family over many years, um, going to lots of small demonstrations at the time, um, you know, demanding justice for David, trying to expose um, what had happened with his killing. He was he was murdered by the prison guards. They, you know, charged into his cell and held him down, pushing him into the ground. He was shouting out, I can't breathe, just like George Floyd was shouting out, I can't breathe, until he perished. Um, and, you know, I was very proud uh, to stand with that family and very inspired by the stand they took when the news came through about George Floyd George Floyd's death in the United States and the massive Black Lives Matter protests that happened in response. The Dungay family were really on the front foot to sort of take advantage of the fact that there was all this interest suddenly in the issue of black deaths in custody and especially the, you know, I can't breathe and the whole death from asphyxia, positional asphyxia is exactly how they killed George Floyd. It's how they killed David Dungay Jr. And so they were very um, quick out of the blocks with statements of solidarity with George Floyd's family and played a leading role in calling demonstrations here in Sydney. Um, we had an amazing demonstration with more than 40,000 people who came out, um, you know, against uh, attempts by the New South Wales Supreme Court and the police to actually ban that demonstration. So it was a very emotionally charged time in the media. The rallies were being condemned by government and police spokespeople people that were saying that we were going to be responsible for spreading COVID because this was during the sort of the, the lockdown period. I mean, there weren't actual lockdowns when we were having our rallies, but there were some quite heavy restrictions on uh, people gathering in public. And no matter what we did to sort of say that, you know, we'd be gathering safely, we'd point to the football stadiums that were open to sport, but they weren't allowing people to protest, but they wouldn't listen. And, um, you know, I ended up uh, being taken to the Supreme Court by the New South Wales Police Commissioner because the Dungay family um, had wanted me to actually lead police liaison um, for one of the rallies um, and was in the media quite a bit defending our right to protest and speaking about the issues of black deaths in custody. And that's when I started getting death threats. So it was quite extraordinary, actually, like my email inbox, because my email's public. I work at a university. People could find my email quite easily. I started getting all these, you know, threatening, um, you know, well, abusive and, you know, annoying emails from a lot of people, but then some more serious, uh, you know, threats uh, to me. Um, and I would just like to take a moment to say, like, you know, I'm a non-Indigenous man. You know, sure. this was something that, you know, um, had happened to me. It hadn't really happened before, but a lot of the Aboriginal people that I organised with, this is standard, right? Like... Lizzie Jarrett, um, who's also a Dungay family member, she is a leading uh, death in custody activist here in Sydney. I mean, you should see the awful stuff that's sent to her all the time by random people, you know, via Facebook Messenger or if they get hold of her, uh, her um, phone number or something like this. So it's certainly not the case that I was singled out for treatment. This is something that our Aboriginal comrades deal with all the time. But it's not something that I took that seriously, um, I'd have to say. Um, we did report some of it to police because at one stage they were, there was even threats that they were going to shoot 
the demonstration, shoot up the demonstration uh, that we were being, that we were organising at the time. Um, that ended up getting broken up by police, and we all got arrested that day. We we're still going through court for those charges, but I mean that's, that was the sort of the context for. Um, what I realised now was actually quite a lot of discussion about me on far-right websites. I didn't realise at the time, but going back and searching for my name on Nazi websites, you could see there was a lot of discussion about me. People were talking about, you know, attacking me. There was even someone had posted my address on one of these forums. Um, so, yeah, I didn't know it at the time, but there were plans being made at that time to, to hurt me. Um, and my family, and then, you know, it was more than a year later, um, we were just, you know, relaxing on a Saturday night. Thankfully, my children weren't home. I've got two young children that were staying out at my parents' place that night, but me and my partner were home, and we just heard a knock at the door. It sounded like the police were at the door, actually. It was that kind of a sort of insistent knock, and I approached the door and looked through, and there was three big skinheads standing there at the door, and I knew they were fascists straight away as soon as I saw them. They had the sort of Eureka flag insignia and, you know, they're very obviously fascists. <laughs> and I moved, you know, up the back of the house and um, they just started smashing the house. So they really started smashing the front door like they were trying to force entry. They um, picked up a table that was on the front uh, porch and, and ripped off a security grill that was on the front of one of our windows, smashed in one of the windows. It's my eldest child's window that they smashed in. And we thought they were coming in. And we thought they were coming in to hurt us. And we tried to call police. Police didn't come for half an hour, actually. And we were very lucky that some of our neighbours, um, we were able to call one of our neighbours. And there's a big Lebanese community where, where I live here, um, and there was a strong response and people came and, um, you know, the fascists sort of ran away. Um, but uh, it was, you know, it was a scary sort of moment and um, we did realise how vulnerable we were and have had to take steps since then to really fortify our house, security cameras, whole lot of security gear, we've had to be really careful about sharing, you know, photos of the kids on social media and stuff far more than I have been previously. So... It was a bit of a wake-up call about, you know, how serious uh, these groups are. Um, and the police didn't come, as I mentioned, but, you know, we've been active on the left here in Sydney for a long time, both me and my partner. She's quite a senior delegate in the Maritime Union. She works at the wharves, um, and we have a lot of support in the trade union movement. So there was some quite intense lobbying after the attack of the state government and the Labor Party about what's happened here and... And the police then did respond and we sort of realised that there's actually quite an extensive intelligence operation going on that they knew exactly who these people were. They'd been following them. They had pictures of them at a fascist gathering earlier that day and it wasn't too much trouble at all to find them and charge them and there was plenty of evidence about their violent histories and pasts. But, um, I mean, that, that all did come out and the police did act and they were charged and, you know, Liddington's now been given quite a hefty sentence. But, you know, I, I don't think really that the, that the government or, you know, society generally is taking seriously enough the threat of these far-right groups. I mean, the police are watching them, but they're certainly not communicating, uh, you know, more broadly to society about how serious these guys are. They train. They train with weapons. Um, you know, they're, they're well organised, they're, you know, open about their white supremacy and um, there's, you know, anti-fascist groups that are watching them as well and a bit of a shout out to the group White Rose, you know, they're very um, good in terms of providing my family with a lot of background information about the people that have attacked us and, you know, and they do believe that these guys are responsible for, I know you mentioned at the top of the story, you know, some attacks on homeless Aboriginal people here in Sydney. So there was a spate of Aboriginal people who were bashed in Belmore Park in earlier in 2021, and they do believe that this group's responsible for that. There's been no justice for that. There's been no follow-up on that. Um, they're active, they're violent, and it looks like what they do is take their younger, newer members into these sort of violent altercations as a way of, you know testing their metal or as some kind of whatever, you know, welcome to the group, blood, blooding, you know, the new members. We think that that was probably involved with the attack on our house and that's probably been in what was going on with some of the previous attacks that I mentioned as well. So they're called um, Firm 22 and they're part of, a, um, part of an international um, organisation called the Vinlanders um, and they're active on the east coast uh, here 
um, with members from Newcastle down to Nowra. So it is a you know it's a serious situation that needs to be taken seriously. Yeah. Well, we'll see if they do. I'm uh, I'm doubtful that it is being taken seriously enough. But I believe that all three men were charged over the attack on your house. Can you commenting? Can you comment on the sentencing? Sure. Well, yeah, the first guy, Max Ferrer, he um, pled guilty quite quickly and was given a non-custodial sentence and like a community corrections order. And that's probably because, well, firstly, you know, the courts generally don't take these issues seriously. But secondly, he didn't have much of a criminal history. And also, at the time of his sentencing, the police held back quite a lot of the intelligence that they had on this group, I think because they didn't want to blow their cover or whatever they were doing in terms of their operation targeting the group, I'm not sure. But for whatever reason, there wasn't um, uh, enough material filed with the court to convince the magistrate that, you know, this guy was a neo-Nazi and this was an ideologically motivated attack. So that probably had something to do with his lighter sentence. Um, Liddington, um, Desmond Liddington, he's the second one to be sentenced. He also pled guilty um, and he got uh, two and a half years, um, you know, which is far more like it. That's the kind of sentence we need. It's an 18-month non-parole period. Uh, But I don't think the court had any um, option other than to give uh, Desmond a a custodial sentence because, firstly, he was out on bail for domestic violent offences when he actually attacked our house. He has a string of violent offences to his name, including armed robbery. Um, he, you know, has got other uh, assault charges pending currently. And when he appeared in the sentencing hearing, he was actually on video link from prison uh, because um, three months prior he had got really drunk one night and hung around outside the Norellan police station and driven up the back of a police car and jumped out of, the, out of his car and said, arrest me to the police. So he'd done it deliberately to get arrested. So, you know, who knows what's going on there? Maybe he wants to recruit inside, you know? And, like, in that sense, like, we're, we're glad that, Des, you know, Desmond's got a custodial sentence, but it's not like this is any solution to the issue of the far right. He'll be in there trying to recruit, and he'll get out one day. And, you know, it's the political situation that allows these groups to grow and allows them to operate with impunity um, and the racist, you know, government policies that really give oxygen to their arguments that I think, you know, is the real issue that needs to be taken on, not, you know, we can't unfortunately arrest our way out of this problem, um, even if the police were willing to. So, you know, it is good Dennis is, you know, oh, sorry, Desmond's gone away for, for a while, but, you know, it's no solution to the issue. There's a third guy, um, Clement Gilbert, who for some reason is pleading not guilty. I mean, there's CCTV footage of him at our house, so, you know, I don't think he's going to eat that. hasn't got much luck, but he's pleading not guilty and he's uh, trial is set for the 21st of March, which ironically is the International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. <laughs> so he'll be he'll be up for a magistrate on the 21st of March. And we're hoping he changes his plea before then, because otherwise we'll actually have to go to court and give evidence. And, you know, not, you know, not particularly wanting to do that. If we do go to court, we'll make sure we go in numbers. We've had some good offers, particularly from trade unionists, um, the Maritime Union and others, that they want to be there, you know, to make sure there's a strong show. Um, that, you know, we're not mucking around and, you know, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to face these attacks again. Um, There's, you know, strong community here that will defend us. Um, But, uh, you know, yeah, we do hope that, he, you know, he does plead guilty and he gets a custodial sentence as well. But as I said, you know, the police and the prisons is no solution to this. I mean, police is just as much a part of the problem as anything else. Uh, so it's yeah, it's a it's a more general issue I think about the need for people to recognise how serious the threat of far right is, and for people to build an anti-racist movement that can actually cut off the oxygen to these people. So regardless of what political persuasion, whether whether you're an anarchist, a socialist, um, whether it's about being Aboriginal or having a disability or being transgender, can you describe to listeners? what the principles are, if you could call it that, of fascism and and Nazism, because it it appears that they want to demonise and attack anybody that's different. That's right. I mean, the press release we put out, I said, you know, they're looking to attack anyone that doesn't conform to their fantasy of white Australia, you know, like they've, you know, got this, 
you know, vision of an ethno-state. I mean, Australia was an ethno-state, you know. Australia was a whites-only, you know, colony for a long time and white supremacy still runs deep through the whole system here. So, you know, they don't have to imagine a white supremacist ethno-state on this continent. You know, there was one and, you know, you could argue in many ways, you know, that there still is. But they, you know, have a vision of, you know, kicking out all the immigrants, you know, getting rid of Aboriginal people, having a, you know, white fantasy sort of society. And as I said before, they're also anti-socialist, anti-communist, anti-union. They, You know, that's, I guess, one of the important features of fascism historically is it has emerged to attack and break up the organised working class. I mean, that was the situation in the roots of fascism in Italy, the roots of fascism in Germany, you know, across the whole place was sort of in response to the growth of, you know, revolutionary socialism and militant trade unionism and fascist street gangs would, you know, attack the labour movement, attack trade union picket lines, try and break up. You know, one of the first things Hitler did when he came to power was outlaw, you know, trade unions and communists and the Social Democratic Party. So, you know, there is that very strong, you know, anti-labour, you know, anti-union uh, uh, philosophy as well, you know, and it's, you know, all in the service of, yeah, like I said, a, you know, sort of a white supremacist sort of dictatorship that they want to establish. Absolutely. And in fact, I've been studying a little bit of history of, of World War Two and what happened afterwards. And it's interesting that Germany was split in two, wasn't it? Wasn't Russia involved somehow in that? Well, yeah, I mean, you had, you know, Germany was occupied by, you know, the Red Army in the, in the east and, the, you know, NATO, what became NATO in the, in the west and, and split down the middle. Yeah, for sure. Paddy, it's so great to have you on. And, and lastly, I, I just wanted to, I mean, I want to wish you the very best. I mean, you, it really, it's, it's not just about you, it's about everybody, you know, it's about everybody that's vilified. And it's really fantastic that you've been able to, you know, to speak on the show today. Um, but there is one more thing that I wanted to ask you in regards to your view, I suppose, as, a, as an activist, anti-racist activist. Why is fascism alive? It's not discussed a lot in the, in the media. Why is it that we're having more um, fascism now? Is that because of the, the economy going bad? Is it because of the pandemic? Is it both? Yeah, look, I mean, I think there's a range of things going on. I mean, I think in general, you know, as I sort of said before, the, you know, intensity of the racist ideology that, you know, is part of Australian nationalism always means that there's going to be room for people who want to take a strict white Australia approach to actually flourish and grow. Yeah. So, you know, you look at anti-Aboriginal racism, it's just, you know, absolutely central to the whole political setup we've got here in Australia, establishing a colony on stolen land and negating, you know, Aboriginal sovereignty and the presence of Aboriginal people. But, and, but, you know, for the last 15 years, we've had, you know, explicitly racist policies such as the Northern Territory intervention, which literally says Aboriginal people are second-class citizens who can have, you know, less rights than the rest of, of, of people. And, you know, and that's happening even today. They've just reimposed, you know, race-based you know, restrictions on Alice Springs and, you know, the people still living on an income management system just because they're Aboriginal, you know, despite the change of government and the promises that have come from the Albanese government. So you've got a, you know, a generally racist policy environment that, put you know, puts Aboriginal people as second-class citizens, etc., or demonises Muslims, demonises migrants. So in that context, you know, you are going to get, um, uh, you know, more extreme expressions um, uh, you are going to get more extreme expressions, sort of of that, you know, of that of that racism, you know, with the with with the far right. I think, you know, there's also a situation where you have, you know, polarisation um, in society that comes, you know, out of the crises of, of capitalism, that comes out of the economic situation, and you know, pe- people through the whole pandemic. Huge numbers of people lost work. You know, there's a lot of, you know, anger and frustration about um, government policy at that time. And it was in those conditions that these fascists can actually grow. 
And I think that, you know, they, they did successfully manage to, you know, openly march as part of all of those anti-lockdown sort of protests or the anti-vaccination stuff. They felt very confident to be open and recruit. And it was, it was you know, I think they had the wind in their sails from all of those sorts of big demonstrations that gave them the confidence to be able to do something like, OK, we're going to go and attack, um, attack the house like they attacked our house. So, yeah, I think it is a combination of the fact that you've got racist mainstream ideology that allows these groups to grow, but then they can also exploit the fact that you know, whatever, people are insecure or, you know, looking for answers, you know, and, and, and stand there and say, hey, we'll join us. You can feel part of this, you know, group. We're going somewhere. We've got, a, you know, we've got this vision. They've got, you know, plenty of hate, uh, you know, to go around. So, you know, I do think um, I do think the circumstances of the sort of the, like the disruption and the social pain and stuff that happened during the pandemic uh, was capitalised upon by, you know, capitalised upon by, by fascists. And I mean, there was no shortage of racism through the pandemic. You know, you think about the way that, you know, Chinese and the migrants and stuff were blamed for, for the spread of COVID, the closed border politics, etc. that we had at the time. So I think it was, you know, a particular moment uh, where these groups were able to, were able to get some wind in their sails. Absolutely. I mean, and, but I mean, racism has been going on for, like you said, you know, there, there was a, a white Australia policy. I mean, even when I was growing up um, here in, in the 1970s, you had my uncles, um, Italian men that were, that were being kicked off trams and, you know, me being called a wog at school. You know, it's it's um, it's still alive and well, and it's it's historical. Oh, absolutely, and they've always been there. You know, there's always been you know that far right, and you see at times like in the depression in the 1930s grew into a serious mass movement. The New Guard here in Sydney, they were drilling training on the streets. You know, so they're, they're always present. It's always part of the system. And it requires constant vigilance, you know, to, to keep them in their place and push them back because any chance they get, they'll grow and any growth will lead to pain, will lead to attacks on, you know, people of colour, attacks on our Aboriginal comrades, attacks on queer people. Um, so it's, you know, it is very serious and it needs to be confronted. Paddy, thank you so much for, for coming onto the program today. And we're going to be interviewing Roel Bassey pretty soon from Istra Sydney about TJ. Any comments about TJ really quickly before we finish? Oh, no, just uh, just ongoing solidarity with that family. Waste an amazing struggle, you know, continuing to come out and, and call for justice. And it provides a lot of inspiration to a lot of other families that I work with, you know, like the fact that, you know, that people keep coming out. TJ's not forgotten, you know, and, and we, we just continue to need to get behind these brave Aboriginal families that are standing up against this, you know, inhuman, you know, system which is killing killing so many. And paying tribute, even though it's not his anniversary yet, but paying tribute also to Uncle Ray Jackson, who did so much work in regards to TJ and other deaths in custody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Paddy. Thanks so Thank much. You. Keep Cheers up the good work. Thanks. Bye-bye. And that was Paddy Gibson, anti-racist activist from Sydney, speaking about a range of issues, in particular how some neo-Nazis broke into his house. And, yeah, we spoke about fascism as a whole. Do you believe in the right to protest? Are you concerned about climate change and the environment? Then come and make your voice heard at a mass meeting on the right to organise for climate and the environment. Join others at 6.30pm on Tuesday, March 7th at 535 Elizabeth Street, Central Melbourne to discuss and then vote on practical ways to support climate action and the environment and to defend the right to protest. Speakers include proud Gunai Kurnai woman Marjorie Thorpe, United Workers Union's Godfrey Mose, and Environment Justice Australia lawyer Natalie Hogan, and will be facilitated by Tuffy Morwitzer, campaigner for the Goongarra Environment Centre. Come participate in some direct democracy for a better world. Your voice matters. RSVP is essential. Go to gecko.org.au forward slash calendar to book your ticket. This event is wheelchair accessible and Auslan interpreted. A 3CR supporter.
Join us for the upcoming public forum, Sovereignty, Shreedy and First Nations Justice, hosted by Green Left on Monday, February 20th at 6.30pm at the Drill Hall on 506 Elizabeth Street. With the upcoming referendum on Voice to Parliament, discussion about the best ways to fight for Shreedy, Sovereignty and First Nations Justice have been growing. The massive Invasion Day protests of tens of thousands of people across the country is another sign of the growing movement for First Nations justice. And I saw it on the television. Hear from two long-standing First Nations activists, Uncle Gary Murray and Lydia Forbe, about their views on how to advance treaty, sovereignty and justice for First Nations people and their views on the current discussion about voice to Parliament. 6.30pm Monday, February 20th at the Drill Hall on 506 Elizabeth Street. Green Left is a free CR supporter. Above the river Separates these shores Worn down by time The stream is surging It's silently urging me To look at its reflection And everything it holds Well I finally found an answer It's not what I expected But I can only thank you For giving me the truth now I won't wonder and I need not bother you Questions I'd fluster, force you to retreat Well I know that change will come but I won't go We can't find forgiveness, there's no peace we can know It's just an early warning that I'll take I could let it throw me down But I can't afford to break There's a haunting feeling A voice that's appealing To hear things clearly And set my mind to rest Oh, you wash the tired illusions from my eyes you spared me all the dangers of those seductive lies Oh, all I believe I must let go All we can see, time can only know Stand beside me, see this river flow Look into its currents Moving logs and shaping stones It's not what I expected But I can only thank you for giving me the truth Now I won't wonder And I need not bother you Questions that fluster Force you to retreat Oh, stand beside me, see this river flow Look into its currents Moving logs and shaping stones In case you've just tuned in, this is the Doing Time Show, and you've just been listening to a song by Les Thomas, Les Thomas, and it's called Shaping Stones. And Les Thomas is a really amazing Aboriginal musician, and I really enjoy listening to his music. It's approximately four thirty-four, and we're meant to be speaking with Raw Bassey at the moment, 
from It's Just Sydney and in regards to TJ Hickey and I wanted to actually get a report back from him for the rally but at the moment we are unable to locate him. So it's been a pretty full-on couple of weeks with the Doing Time show um, with about three interviews and lots of each show and lots of statements from, for example, Veronica Nelson's family. So it's probably good today to have a very low-key type of show. I'm going to be reading out um, a very important article. It's a media release um, put out by the Human Rights Law Centre and it's for immediate release and it was Friday the 17th of February 2023. So it's quite current and it's entitled Case Challenging Age Pension Discrimination for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander People to be Heard. Listeners may recall that I interviewed Narita Waite in 2021 from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service about this challenge and I'm hoping to get her back on the show in the next couple of weeks. And in fact, there's a court case happening today about this. A legal challenge against the Australian government seeking fair and equal access to the age pension for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people will be heard by the full federal court um, this week. Proud Waka Waka man, Uncle Dennis, is bringing the case through the federal, whether federal government will face court for the first time in connection with its failure to close the gap in life expectancy between Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and non-Indigenous people. Uncle Dennis is bringing this case with the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service and the Human Rights Law Centre with support from DLA Piper. The full court will consider whether Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are denied equal access to the age pension due to lower average life expectancy and whether the pension age for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people should be lowered. And I believe there could be some good news um, about role. I'm just going to um, put on an announcement. Travellers Aid Australia is offering free scooter safety training sessions. They will help mobility scooter and powered wheelchair users to practice their skills and build confidence in navigating their local community and accessing public transport. These sessions are delivered by trained facilitators and volunteers and are provided across Melbourne. For more information or to register interests, visit travellersaid.org.au, call on 03-9654-2600 or email info at travellersaid.org.au. Travellers Aid Australia is a 3CR supporter. The Yurok Justice Commission is the first formal truth-telling inquiry into injustice experienced by First Peoples in Victoria. From Monday, February 27 to Friday, March 10, Yuruk is holding public hearings with First Peoples witnesses who have experienced injustice in the child protection and criminal justice systems. You can watch the hearings online or make a submission at yurukjusticecommission.org. A 3CR supporter. And you're back with the Doing Time Show. And we've just located Raul and we'll be speaking with him very shortly. But I just wanted to also, um, you know, I'm glad that I was able to read out that half of that uh, that media release from the Human Rights Law Centre. Check it out on the website. It is really important that Aboriginal people um, are given the same rights as everybody else in regards to the pension, given that there are, um, you know, lots of gaps in life expectancy. But now on to Raul Bassi, um, who's going to be giving a report back um, on the rally um, for last Tuesday for TJ Hickey. And I'm going to welcome Raul now to the program. Hello, Raul. Hey, hello. How are you? Good. It's lovely to have you. Now, Raul, I um, I wanted to just speak quickly um, about Ray Jackson and what he said about TJ before we actually talk about it. So... Ray Jackson, who's passed on, he's an Indigenous warrior. And the police force was founded, he said this, a quote from him, 
And Ray Jackson says the police force was founded not only on the theft of Aboriginal land, but also from the historic, brutal genocide of First Nations people. And he he says that things haven't changed. Can you talk about the rally and and TJ and and what's happened? Yeah, well... uh do you know that it uh, was the 19th anniversary of the death of TJ? Okay? Yes. Yeah. It's too many times. The family has been strong, really strong. Gail, the mother, is one of the strongest women I've saw in my life. In my life, I'm, I'm a bit old, okay? And I'm really, really strong. And the, 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 all the rallies that we organized always went to, I went to talk to Gail as first thing. Um, uh, and we talk and we decided what we're going to do. The problem is uh, with 19 years, we start to have, uh, we almost, we finish all the possibilities even that we don't believe in the justice of the system because we know it's never happened. But at least we get people get, getting behind of the, the case of TJ and the many other cases of death in custody. Uh, that was the, the important thing that we did was about, it was three years ago, maybe four years ago, we organized a petition we uh, the condition for the petition in New South Wales. I don't know if it's on the same on Victoria, but uh, but it, the petition only can go to the upper house in Parliament. Um, it has to, for instance, to be attended. It has to be done with signatures, real signatures, no internet. You cannot we cannot do it on internet. It has to do it in pages, signed with addresses, with, uh, they're supposed to be citizens, uh, or no, sorry, yeah. residents in New South Wales, the one they can sign. No, okay. no, no. Sorry, no. Can, can you just explain to us how did you come to organise a petition? Is it current? You're talking about now, is it? Yeah, no, 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 now it's not. The, the petition was another step. Because oh, okay. it was a time it was a time there were many petitions going around. I get it. Yeah. And some people talk to Gail like say, What about my petition? Yeah, we do the petition. We got we, I said fourteen thousand signatures. No, oh, Gail Hickey is talking about. Okay. Yeah, 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 I know. Gail is look, nothing happened without approval of, of Gail and the family. You know that it's the way that we of work. Of course. Uh, well, to that we present the petition. Um, we didn't hear anything when in reality there are times, the, the real line t- um, times to do the response. One day, uh, uh, um, at the, in the same time, the people from the upper house prepare a committee to investigate this in custody, blah, blah, blah. Um, and when we went to the, we, we, we were invited, we, we brought the case of um, a few people, DJ, uh, Tani, Churchill, uh, the case of, uh, uh, what's the name? Eric Whitaker and all okay. the, the, the people around us. And they put the condition, one of the conditions was n- don't talk about uh, incidents or, or tragedies or whatever that was they wasn't already investigated, and we brought the DJ Hickey as a first thing because never was properly investigated. Yeah. But the president or whatever was from the committee decided that the no DJ Hickey was blah 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 blah, and I said. They asked me what was the difference, uh, why was the investigation that never happened. Simple. The two inquests were done for the same coroner that decided that the, J, um, that the police was never in, uh, responsible. Mm. And and when, the, when they asked, uh, the lawyer asked for the police to be uh, interrogated, the, 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 the um, coroners jump and say, no, they are not going to talk because they don't want to talk. 
and that's it. Mm. And the two, two new, afterwards, two news, new inquests done for the same coroner. Yeah, yeah. It's impossible to change. And when we start to uh, make noise regarding to the petition, because we never have a response. In one moment, oh, I see one what you're saying. So you're saying, yeah. Raul, that the that the petition happened around that time that he died, and even afterwards, and there was there's been no response at all. No, no. There, sorry, there was a response, but, but we never received it. You never received it. Okay. You never received it because they put the 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 top of the upper house is a attorney oh, general and Wells. Why? Uh, can, can I ask you something, Raul? Sorry to interrupt. Um, wasn't David Shoebridge going to be doing some work there, the Greens? Oh MP? yeah, no, 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 no. Dave, Dave is okay. Yeah, sorry, I know. I'm not trying to put Dave in. Oh no, 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 no. I realise that. Because why, 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 why? I find Just a bit of some people who are like close to David. David is more, got more experience. Probably, is not so. Yeah, I just system. thought the Greens were going to do something, but obviously not. Yeah, no, now, they do. They did something. They helped with the petition. They helped perfect, with that. Perfect. But uh, there they was not uh, when we, when uh, we present um, the petition in Parliament. Okay, actually, we couldn't present it because the, the the no one from the Parliament came. The only one who came was Davies. Oh, wow. Understand? No one is coming. We give it to David. We take photos and whatever for the papers and so on. Doesn't matter. The question was, when when I, st- I start to push in the inquest, what was the result of the petition? Because I never have a, a response. One of the, the, the people in the, in the committee said, Ah yeah, I got a response for the for the petition. <laughs> Thank you. We didn't see it. And you know what it says? The response of the petition in uh, um, a, a writing by hand from the attorney general saying this petition cannot go away because there have been many inquests about the death of T.J. Hickey. And that's it. And I put it there, and I put it out, everything. No discussion once, that is one of the rules, no one discussion in the upper house of the, par- the parliament in New South Wales. I'm not surprised. Um, I'm not surprised, Raul. And in, no, no, I'm not surprised. I'm not what, surprised what in the least. But Now, Raul, sorry, because we're, we're going to be running out of time. Do you remember yeah, last yeah, yeah, sorry, year? Sorry, sorry. I, I, I come back to that. These this things that happen, all these things... Take yeah. us to the idea what we can do to change because the, 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 the things that we are doing are not Absolutely. working. Absolutely. No, I know. And okay. let, let me explain to you something, Raul. Remember last year when you and I were having a conversation in 2022 about this same thing? In fact, the the Valentine's Day, or well, on the 14th of February, Happens to be Valentine's Day. That day was when the rally happened, you know, with uh, with TJ when he died. Do you remember that we spoke and you were at the fence line and and you were talking yeah, to me yeah, about the rally? Yeah, yes, yes. That was yes, a very powerful time for both of us. Now, yes. you can't be at the fence line today, but I'm wondering if you could just describe to listeners so that they think they're there. Talk about – can you talk about the rally and just talk about what – what was the police presence? How many people? Ah, what was Gail yeah. like? What what happened la- last week? The, the, last week was uh, the police. Um, we are uh, in front of. Uh, I don't know exactly what is going on. The police is being a, a, a bit more not helpful because they cannot be helpful, but uh, less uh, stricter than sometimes were. We do whatever we want. We march. We went to the police station. Asusha, we did all the things that we do normally. Uh, no problem. No, no discussion. Blah 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 blah. That's different. But still, still, there were more police than protesters. Okay, Asusha, <laughs> because wow. the the rallies for TJ, even when we got big rallies, they we got big police presence. Big, big police presence. But I, 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 I don't want to be exclusive. Many, most of the rallies around 
Aboriginal es staff y es loro police. Es classic here. Mis abuelos ahí van a decir en another place. But that's what happened. But anyway, we did the rally. The rally was good. The problem is our best rallies for TJ is when the date came in, in um, Saturday, Sunday, when the people don't have to work. Um, we don't have biggest numbers, but we have a Saturday that we collected approximately 700 people for the rally, okay, for TJ. Um, this was slightly small, but the reason was that there's not many, not many people, and we coming from a period of certain mistake. People were getting a bit of, uh, I don't know, they, they, they yeah. say... They are, they are tired, they are yeah. blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, I'm not tired and I'll keep doing what I'm doing. We're supposed to do. Well, okay. This rally was good because what we did was find a way to try to keep a, 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 the situation in, a, in, a, in action. How can we do that? Is because we, we decided. I don't know if you are aware, the memorial that we have for TJ was something that was given by the Minister for Health of New South Wales because we noticed that it was, a, it was going to be a, a lot of response in, in, the, in support of TJ Hickey. Uh, and he gave us for one day. When we never we could put the plaque, you know, he never could put the plaque in the place. Blah blah blah. He came to say that yes, they're gonna make a memorial. The plaque, can, no, we cannot put it, put it in the place. But the um, Gail can write another a new plaque. That that is, is now etc etc. But it's attached at an a tower that is part of the um, social um, housing of sure. New South Wales. So if they touch the tower, they touch the memorial. Oh, I see what you're saying. Understand? So, um, and also, and also touch the memorial. It touched the, the place when TJ was in pain. You're saying that the, the, there's going to be gentrification and the rich yeah, are going no, to take, yeah, yeah, sure. take and over not, and yeah, get rid of that you, and get rid of that spot. Yeah, remember the, oh, the, the, the yes. towers all around the place? You remember yeah, the towers, all the big towers. The problem is the two first towers are one the tower next to TJ and one the tower is across the road. Hmm. Understand? All that area, boom. So we, I was thinking what we can do to be sure that uh, the family have a memorial. Understand because if that memorial goes, I don't know we can how can we can get a. Now, when you say a, memorial, do you mean the plaque? Is that what you're saying? Uh, the, yeah, the, our for us the memorial has to have the plaque, the original plaque. Oh, I see what you're is, saying. The, yeah. the, 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 the says that the kid died and the police pursued. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that is the story. Well, anyway, so we decided. Instead of go to the thing, we did the, the well, we did the march in the normal ways because that is part of the the, the way that the family can express themselves. Okay, but honestly, it, it's one of the reasons is when we go to the police, the the people express themselves against the police. Understand? Gail Gail never can finish the the speeches in front of the police because she starts to cry. She's so, emotional. Yeah, yeah. So course. emotional that they can't finish. Terrible. So we say we did exactly the same, but trying to avoid the more emotional part yeah. because it's not gonna change much. And we organize to go to go to the community center of Redfern uh, I talked to the administration and I said that we want to present a letter to you and to and the community center. And that we did with we, we, we. the letter. The letter, what the letter said, is simple. We said that it's very, very probable is according to the result of the elections in this state, they're going to be next month. If the liberals win, the first thing they're going to do is put that, down the towers. So we have to be sure that we can get an, a safe place for a memorial for TJ. Oh, good. First. That was the first point. Second point, where? 
it has to be in a place that cannot be touched, that cannot be the, the prepared for to be, in, I don't know, the change it or whatever, okay? That's something that I would, because they're building a lot of uh, units around this community center, that change the block completely, okay? The block is just... I want to ruin the block. Eh? They want to ruin the block. I mean, it's a, it's a meeting it's place for Aboriginal people. The block, the block doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, 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 I know. Totally, totally gone. It's gone. Anyway, and as we say, the, the, the letter says, the, the following thing is, we are concerned with this, blah, blah, blah. The families in campaigning, 19 years marching, uh, never stopping. I, they have to have a place where to go and meet with the kids. Okay? Absolutely. That's, that's, that was the, the, the argument. And the second argument, and the second argument no one mentioned, is the community center was built under the orders of CAR. The, in that time was the premier of New South Wales. And he do that, did that to try to keep, after the death of TJ, trying to keep a bit of um, good relation with some of the Aboriginal people. Understand? Raul, we're so going ha- to have yeah. to finish, actually, um, because okay, I've got two minutes. Very quickly. Okay, very quickly. We go to there, we ask them to organize a meeting with the people in the council, the, is the one that control the community centre, to have a meeting with the family of TJ, with the other people supporting TJ, to explain to them that we need that the, this a community center change the name. First, first change, community center T.J. Hickey. Oh wow, that's a, that's great. Well, listen, that is a way to change the real uh, to, to uh, name it after. Yep, absolutely. Understand, and that's why we want to do this, trying to get um, uh, most people uh, with us when we go to the council. We go, we go to everywhere. Understand, and for that there has to be a plan, a campaign. Do people know what we're going to do next day or okay. after? All right. That's it? I've run out of time. Thank you very much, Roel. You did a wonderful job, and we'll talk very soon about that. Let me know okay, about the letter, right. okay? Okay. Thanks right. so much. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And thank you to everybody that um, that came onto the show today. It's approximately 4.56. We've got about one minute, and I'm out of here. Um, we finally so finishes the series of the commemoration of TJ Hickey. Until the next commemoration and the next death, let's hope the deaths in custody stop soon. I don't know what's going to happen. Let's see how we go. And thank you. And stay strong, stay tuned every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Doing Time show. And we're going to be going out now with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella by the Rumpy Band. Bye. Stay strong. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Are you the one who's gonna stand up and be counted?
say 